here for you. You know, oftentimes when I turn on the news, it always seems like there's something bad. D does anyone ever feel like that? That there's always something bad. A and I like to hear good things. I like to hear praise reports, things that people are thankful for, things that God is doing. And so I just want to give an opportunity um, if there are a couple of people, uh, maybe two or three, who just want to praise God for something and tell us something good, tell us something that God has done, because we know that God is still in the business of performing miracles, still in the business of healing, still in the business of working. And so if, there's, if you don't want to come, that's okay, but uh, I just want to give you the opportunity before we get into the message, if somebody wants to give God praise and share. Okay, come on up. Hi, church. Morning. I just want to give God thanks that for allowing me to see another birthday. How many are Aldine. When was your birthday, Aldine? August the 12th. Wonderful. Wonderful. Aldine. I just want to thank God for his goodness. That's right. Yes. Thank you, Aldine. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> this is very spontaneous. I didn't know you had this planned. I um, didn't. <laughs> saw you all week. <laughs> well, if you don't know me, my name is Raven, and uh, my husband is a fairly recent immigrant to Canada. He came in 2020, just before uh, COVID. And so it's been um, a long process, a long journey of waiting for his documents to come through so he could legally work in Canada. And uh, we found out we were expecting our first baby in March, and we still hadn't had the papers come through yet. But we know that means if there's a baby, that means I have to stop working, what's gonna happen? But he got his documents in May, and so he started working his new job. <laughs> Um, that's going to give him like a, a decent salary and health benefits and everything so that I could go on maternity leave and not worry about how our bills are going to get paid. So thank God for, um, you know, bringing that in at the right time. Good. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and just before you go, I'm assuming you know who this is, but if you don't, this is Raven and she is our office administrator. And so if you don't know her, get to know her because she's the one who really runs things around here. So <laughs> thank you, Raven. <laughs> is there maybe one more, who, someone who wants to share something with us before we get into the message? Come on up. Can you hear me? My name is Maria, and I want to thank God for one of my nurturers in Barbados, um, Ismay Cave, who today turns 104 years old. Wow. Ismay was one of the elders in, in, in the village that helped to nurture us as children. I thank God for her godly instruction and her guidance and for her soup on Saturday evening. So. It's my happy birthday in Barbados, and I love you, and I hope I can get home to see you, you know, before. Okay, thank you, before God takes her. Thank you, Maria. Well, I just thought I would, it was spontaneous, give you an opportunity, because with all the bad things that we may hear about, we may forget that God is still a good God. And he's still able to work. And I'm sure that many of you would have lots to share about the goodness of God and his provision and how he works in different ways and how he has worked out in your life different things. Well, let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can share in your word. And we just commit, Lord, this time, this message into your hands. We pray that your spirit would move, that you would speak, that you would have your way, O oh God, and that indeed you would help us to be obedient to respond to your spirit's leading. And so we commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you have ever had some stuff happen to you in life? 
Have you ever had stuff happen to you? Put, put your hand up if, if you've ever had some stuff happen. I think we've all had stuff, right? And that stuff can be different for each person, but we've all gone through some stuff. And maybe right now, you're going through some stuff. Maybe you're still going through stuff that started a long time ago. Um, you know, whatever it is, we've all experienced certain things in life, stuff that we have gone through or are going through. And you know, sometimes when we hear the stuff other people are going through, it, it sometimes makes our stuff look like, well, maybe I shouldn't complain so much, right? Because there's always seems to be someone who is going through a more difficult time. Someone who is going through a more difficult time than we may be going through. And that doesn't mean that your stuff isn't important. It just means that in the midst of the stuff, there's always something to find to praise God about and something to be thankful for. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I thought, there's a man in the Bible who went through a lot of stuff. And his name is Joseph. And if you know the story of Joseph, then great. Uh, but the story of Joseph begins in Genesis chapter 37. And in fact, it's quite a long story because it takes up several chapters. But we're not going to read all those chapters today. But what we're going to do is I'm going to summarize his story for you. Okay? So we're going to go through Joseph's story and see the different things that he went through and the stuff that he had to deal with. And we're going to learn from that today. So Joseph was the youngest son of Jacob. All right? Joseph um, was the youngest, and at the time that we meet him in Genesis chapter 37, the scripture tells us that he was 17 years old, so he was a teenager. Now, not only was he the youngest son of Jacob, but he was Jacob's favorite son, because Jacob had him in his old age, and so Jacob favored him more than all the other sons. This made the other sons quite jealous, and in fact, they hated, they hated Joseph. And so they already knew that their father favored him more than all the others, but to make matters worse, okay, Jacob had a special robe made for his son Joseph. And this was a special robe that he gave him as a gift. And the robe actually symbolized the privilege of the firstborn. So his brothers had already hated him, and now they hated him even more. And then to make matters even worse, Joseph had two dreams. And not only did he have these dreams, but then he ended up telling his brothers and father about it. So there was a lot of dysfunction in this family. There was a lot of issues, a lot of problems, and it went beyond just a simple apologize to one another. There were a lot of issues. And you see, it is important that we learn to recognize dysfunction in our family. Learn to recognize dysfunction. And I'm not talking about problems and issues, because no matter which family you're from, we all have problems and issues to a certain degree, right? It doesn't matter who we are. There will be things that come up, but those are things that we can easily fix and work on. But to be dysfunction means that it does not function because there are major issues and problems that are unresolved and often stem from the past. You see, in the story here, Jacob himself was from a dysfunctional family. If you read his story, there was rivalry between him and his twin brother Esau for years, and it just got worse and worse over time. And so you would think that he would be able to recognize dysfunction, right? But instead, he continued it by now showing favoritism to his son Joseph when he had already seen what doing that cause in his family with his parents and his brother. Are you following me so far? All right. 
So he should have been able to recognize it. But it is important that we learn to recognize it right away so that it can be dealt with. You see, there are certain things that may come up in your family, not because someone said something per se, not because someone even did something, but because there are issues that were so far back that started generations ago that were not dealt with that need to be dealt with. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? There are things that need to be dealt with and that sometimes comes into your family and manifests itself in different ways and oftentimes it can look like dysfunction. And it is important that we learn to recognize dysfunction, that we pray, that we ask God to break those things, to break those generational curses, to break those chains, to help release us, to help stop those things from continuing on in our family, from continuing on in our marriage, to continuing on in our children's children and our children's children's children, to learn to recognize what dysfunction looks like. He should have been able to recognize it, but unfortunately, he didn't. And I know no family is perfect, but in order for us to recognize it, we also need to learn to deal with it. And dealing with it can look like seeking help, whether that be counseling or therapy, whether that be having an honest conversation with your spouse and telling them something that you should have told them years ago. Maybe it's sitting down with your children and explaining certain things to them that you didn't explain before. Whatever that may look like, it is important that we be intentional not to make the same mistakes. You see, your parents did the best that they could with what they knew. They did, right? They, they only knew so much. And some of you grew up not feeling emotionally connected to your parents, never being told that, you, that they loved you, or never being shown affection because that's just how they were. But it is important that you understand that doesn't have to continue in your family. That that doesn't need to continue. That when your parents said something and you asked why and their answer was simply because I said so, that doesn't have to continue. I understand the respect level, but let me tell you something, okay? As, a, as I, I still consider myself a young person, but growing up, I think I find myself more in the middle now. So I'm at the perfect age where I'm an adult, but I still feel like a teenager, if that makes sense, right? So I feel like I can give you this advice. To help you with your family, to help you with your children, it is important that you teach them why you have decided certain things. Not just because I said so. Because if you just say I said so, guess what? Your children will start to lie. They will start to hide and sneak around. They will start to listen to their friends because you have not sat down and explained to them why. You have the experience. You understand why you're saying no. You understand why you're saying you have to be home at a certain time and can't stay out till 3 o'clock in the morning or you can't go to this party or you can't do that. But they don't understand that. And so it is important that you take the time to teach them. You take the time to help your family so that it does not become dysfunctional. So Joseph's brothers hated him. And it grew even worse after he told them about the dreams that he had. In Genesis 37, verses uh, 5 to 8, it says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children, because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Then it goes on and tells us, verses 5 to 8, it tells us, One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundles stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before them. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? 
Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. You see, although God had given Joseph this dream, and it was an important dream, and later he would understand this dream, but in the moment, he didn't know what it was. He was young, he was immature, he didn't understand this message in this dream, and he decided he was just going to tell his brothers, he was going to tell his father, he was going to tell everyone. But this was not a message that they were ready for, nor was he supposed to share at this time, because he didn't understand what it meant. You see, there are times in our life where we need to learn when to stay quiet. <laughs> there are times in our life where we need to learn that it is okay for us to just listen and not have to talk. Now take this seriously, because it is a, a very important life lesson, and some of you have learned it maybe the hard way, right? Where you shouldn't have said something, but you did, right? There are times where we need to learn to refrain from speaking. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 7 says, there is a time to be quiet and a time to speak. We don't always have to feel the need to share our thoughts and opinions and perspective on every single thing. It is okay to keep certain things to ourselves. You know that? It is okay for us to not have to say and share every single thing. And not only about sharing and saying, but let's talk about something that now is big in the world. Social media. Right? And I'm just going to be honest, some of you overshare things that you probably shouldn't. Some of you share opinions, and I'm not saying you shouldn't share your opinion, but there is a time and a place for everything. And it is important that we learn when it is appropriate, and then when we should just maybe just not say anything, right? A rule that you probably learned growing up is still relevant today. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Some of us need to learn that it is okay to be quiet, that it is okay to not say anything, that it is okay for us to choose to listen and when it is appropriate, speak and share our opinion. Make sure our facts are correct before we even say something. Make sure we understand what we're saying before we tell someone else. Is making sense here? All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So Joseph here shared about his dream when he should have just kept it to himself. He should have just kept quiet about it, but he shared it. So one day now, Joseph's brothers took the sheep to pasture, and his father Jacob sent Joseph to go and check on his brothers and bring back a report. So Genesis 37, verses 18 to 20, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Now this got pretty heated pretty quickly, right? Because it's one thing to dislike and even hate someone, but it's another thing now to plot to kill them. It's pretty extreme, Right? And, and Joseph's brothers weren't just clowning around. They weren't joking. They weren't, you know, making fun. They were actually being serious because they hated him and they felt that their life would be better if he was out of it, if he didn't exist. You see, they were angry about so many things, angry that he was the favorite, angry because his father gave him this special robe, angry because he had these two dreams and he told them about it and it looked like they were supposed to bow down and worship him in a way they were angry and their anger now led them to want to do something that was irrational and that they shouldn't have um, even thought about 
You see, we need to be careful not to allow our anger to cause us to do something that we will later regret. Be careful. Be careful. You see, the Bible doesn't say that you shouldn't get angry. Did you know that? It doesn't say you shouldn't get angry. What it talks about is what you do in your anger that matters. You see, anger is an emotion that we feel at different times in different ways for different reasons. And sometimes it's justified. Sometimes it just comes on, right? But anger is something that the Lord knows we're going to experience from time to time. But it's what we do when we're angry that makes the difference. Are you allowing that spirit of anger to take control of you? Because that spirit of anger, when it comes and it takes control, it causes an individual to lose control of themselves. It causes a person, and maybe you've experienced this in your anger, to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Whether that's punch a hole in the wall, whether that's to say something that they normally wouldn't say or to use certain language that they normally wouldn't use. Maybe that's to assault someone. Maybe that's to do something to someone. Maybe it's to make an irrational decision. Maybe it's to, to do something that, you know, is irrational and unlogical, and whatever it is. When we allow that spirit of anger to take control we now give over that control to that spirit, and we are no longer in control. It is important that we are careful when we get angry that we still remain in control, that we don't do something that we will later regret. And if you're honest with yourself, I'm sure that some of you may be able to say, you know, that's happened to me in my life where I was so angry that I said something, or I did something, or I made a decision, or you know, I made a choice that I shouldn't have made because I regretted it later. Whatever that is, it is important that we are careful, that we deal with those issues. If you are experiencing major anger issues, rage, and, and, and you just don't seem to be able to get rid of it because it just it triggers you so quickly, you get angry just so quickly, it is something that you need to recognize and deal with. Seek help, seek counseling, because it is something dangerous if you allow it to continue to grow and to fester. So Joseph's brothers were plotting to kill him, but here's the good news. His brother Reuben tried to help him. In Genesis 37, 21 and 22, it says this, but when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben said this because he was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So Reuben knew the, the idea that was going around with his brothers. And he knew that he was outnumbered because they were all plotting and planning against him. And it was probably difficult for him to find the courage to speak up. Because he may, now I'm just reading into this, maybe he felt that if he went against doing this with his brothers, that he would also end up in the empty cistern, right? His brothers would say, you're taking his side, let's get rid of him as well. And then he would be no good to help his brother Joseph. He'd be in the same situation. That's my, you know, understanding of it. So anyways, he tried to change their thinking and help them to think that they came up with this idea. You know, let's just throw him in. We don't have to kill him. Why? You know, there's no need to shed blood, you know. The cistern will kill him anyways, you know, he'll, he'll stay there and whatnot. So he tried to help the situation. When it is possible, be willing to stand up and speak up for others who are being treated unfairly. When it is possible... It's not always possible because the circumstance may be dangerous, because something may happen and we're not able to do it. But when it is possible, 
it is important for us to stand up for what is right, to stand up for others who are not being treated fairly, who are not enjoying the same privileges that we may be enjoying, who are not being treated the way that they should. Have any of you ever heard of something called the bystander effect? You may have. What the bystander effect is, is when something happens and there's a group of people around. So, you know, maybe a car accident happened, let's say, and there's a group of people around. The bystander effect is when everybody just kind of stands and watches and now people are taking out their video cameras to record. Instead of doing something about it, calling 911, offering help, because what they are assuming is that somebody else is going to do it. So they stand back as a bystander and just watch what's happening. And, and some people may just think that, you know, I'm just minding my own business. I don't want to get involved because I'm going to have to give a statement. You know, I'm going to have to do this or do that. So that's the bystander effect. But you see, my friends, it is important when something happens and we see it, that we speak up or stand up for what is right that we say something and don't allow it to continue to go on. I've heard people talk about, and maybe this has happened to you, that when they first came to Canada and was looking for a job, they were offered a job being paid less than what other people were being paid simply because they were an immigrant and the company was trying to take advantage of them. That's not right. That's not right. Stand up and speak up for something that is right. Don't treat someone unfairly because they have a disability or an illness, because they're considered to have a job that maybe is beneath you, or they don't earn enough money, or they don't have the same education. That should not matter. People should not be treated differently because they speak a different language, have a different accent, that they have a different skin color. You see, it is important that we stand up and we speak up for what is right. Stand up and speak up. Don't turn a blind eye. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to directly get yourself involved, but maybe that can mean that you're the one that takes the initiative to call 911, that you're the one to go to the police, that you're the one to find the security, to help the situation so that you do not just stand back and say, I'm just minding my own business. When you see someone being treated unfairly, when you see something happening that you can try to help, do it. So Reuben tried to help his brother. He tried to help Joseph so that he didn't end up being killed. Because he knew that Joseph was being treated unfairly simply because he was the favorite. Simply because he was young and immature and didn't know when to be quiet and didn't know when to speak. So Joseph's brothers decided not to kill him, but instead they ended up selling him to a group of people that were traveling to Egypt to trade and sell their goods. So Genesis 37 verses 25 and 28 says, Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic raisin from Gilead down to Egypt. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. You see, after Joseph was taken to Egypt, he was then sold to Potiphar, who was an Egyptian officer working for Pharaoh. So, so far, we have Joseph here, who's hated by his brothers, okay, who his brothers are now plotting to kill him, who has now been um, sold for 20 pieces of silver to this um, group of Midianite traders who are going to Egypt. So he ends up in Egypt and is then sold again, now to Potiphar, who was um, an Egyptian officer. So he worked for Pharaoh. He was one of the guards for Pharaoh. All right? So, so you're seeing so far of the stuff that Joseph is going through, right? The stuff that we're talking about. So in verse 36, it says, 
Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. All right. So now he belongs to Potiphar. He's a slave, basically. Now, he goes through Potiphar's house, and he's helping. Potiphar obviously sees Joseph is capable, gives him responsibilities. So now we see something good happening to him, okay? Because he's uh, having these um, uh, responsibilities to be in charge of the palace, and he is, um, you know, liked by Potiphar. But then something bad happens again. What's that? Well, Potiphar's wife notices Joseph. And not only does she notice him, but she notices, wow, look at this young, healthy, good-looking man who's always around, and she's lonely. And so she tries to make a pass at Joseph. She tries to uh, persuade him to come and spend some quality time with her, right? They're, they're, they're going to watch Netflix and chill, <laughs> and so she, she wants to have this time with Joseph, but Joseph, because he is a good, respectable man and he knows boundaries, refuses, right? He refuses because he's doing the right thing here. Genesis 39, verses 12, and then we'll jump to 16 to 20, says this. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding... Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Good man. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. She said, but when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. You see, because she made this false accusation against Joseph, it caused severe long-term consequences for him. It ruined his position, it ruined his credibility, it ruined his relationship with Potiphar, it caused him to have to spend years in prison. Do you see, now this is a side note, I don't have a point for this, but do you see how making a false accusation can ruin someone's life? That's why the Bible tells us do not give false testimony. Don't lie, in other words. Don't say things that you know are not true, or don't say something that you're not sure about. Potiphar's wife was angry because Joseph refused her, and her ego was probably shot. She was probably upset with him, and to get even, she made a false accusation against him, which in turn caused him to suffer the consequences of it. And some of you have probably suffered or your family has suffered the consequences of something like that, unfortunately. So while in prison, Joseph interpreted dreams for Pharaoh's chief cupbearer. He came in contact with this cupbearer who had a dream, and he was able to interpret the, his dreams. So at the time that this happened, the cupbearer promised Joseph that he would remember him. Okay, that he would remember him when he was released and he was going to help Joseph. Here's what it says. Genesis, now we're in chapter 40, verse 23. Pharaoh's cup, chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So he promised that he was going to remember him. He promised that he was going to repay his kindness. But when he got out, he completely forgot about Joseph. Don't forget the help and kindness others have shown you. Don't forget about it. There are some of you who are good at remembering the kindness of others. 
that you remember, you, you haven't forgotten, you haven't taken it for granted, and you appreciate the people who have helped you to get where you are. Someone who has helped you when you needed help the most. Someone who was there for you when everyone else turned away because you we didn't have something to offer them in return. So God bless you and continue to do that. But unfortunately, there are many people who can easily forget the kindness of others. They can easily forget it. They're all, they're there when, you know, you're able to help them, right? When you have something to offer and they're appreciative in the moment. But then when it's your turn, phone number's changed. Or call doesn't go through anymore. It's blocked. Or they're busy, unavailable, they don't have any money, they're not able to help. You see, do not forget the kindness of others. The things that other people have done, don't take it for granted. Because you know what it feels like when you have gone out of your way for somebody, when you've inconvenienced, when you've given something you don't have, when you've done for others what you yourself needed, you gave out of the goodness of your heart. And we don't give for someone to say thank you, right? That's not why we give, because we know that God's going to bless us regardless. But it is important that we show kindness, that we show appreciation, that we show that we are thankful and grateful and learn to appreciate what others have done. Don't forget those who have helped you, those who have been there for you. So unfortunately, this cupbearer had forgotten all about what Joseph had done for him. But here's the good news. Eventually, he remembered. And he remembered because Pharaoh had a dream that he didn't know what it meant and was asking for someone to interpret this dream. So the cupbearer remembered that in his time, Joseph had um, been able to interpret his dream. So now, in chapter 41, we read, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Think about what this is saying. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have higher rank than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. I put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. My friends, Joseph went through a lot of stuff. But trust, no matter what stuff you are going through, you have gone through, that God is working out your stuff even when you can't see it. That God is working out your situation. He's working out the things that you've gone through. He's putting them together. Unfortunately, Joseph went through a lot. He went through a lot of unfortunate events in his life. But through it all, God was with him. Through it all, through all that you've gone through, God was with you. And he is still with you. He is still working out your stuff. He is still in control. He has not left you or forgotten about you. God was busy working out his stuff behind the scenes. Every trial that Joseph went through was an unfortunate one. There were a few good things that happened, but most of it was very difficult. Difficult trials that he went through. But you see, God was able to take each one of those things, each one of those situations, and turn it into something good. To get Joseph to a place where Joseph never thought he would end up. To be put in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Who would have thought? But God is able, and he is working even when we cannot see it. At the beginning, I asked you, how many of you have had stuff happen in your life? Well, we've all had stuff. 
And no matter what your stuff is or has been, the challenges and issues that you faced in life, maybe your family, your siblings turning their back on you like Joseph, maybe you having to leave home and leave your country to come and start a new life in another city or country, maybe being treated poorly or unfairly because you were an immigrant or you didn't have enough education or you, you didn't have the right, uh, you know, uh, education or degree or because of your skin color or where you live. You know, unfortunately, stuff has happened to each one of us. But you see, God is able to take that stuff and he's able to make it into something good. Close to the end of Joseph's story in Genesis 50, and we're almost done. Verse 20, he says, you intended to harm me, him speaking to his brothers. If you read the rest of the story, you see how he encountered his brothers, and he was now in a position to help them in their time of need. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me into this position so I could save the lives of many people. God brought him into this position. The things that people have done to you and against you, intending to harm you, my friends, God is able to turn it into something good. He is able to turn it into something good. He is able to do that which no human being is able to do. There is a beautiful scripture verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And you know, I've read that scripture verse many times, and I'm sure you have. And I wonder to myself each time how that works. And I want to show you how I've explained it to myself. I need a couple of volunteers. And I need some volunteers who like food. Someone who's not shy. Okay, Rohan, come on up. Okay, come on up, Tatiana. And you can't be afraid of uh, some seasoning or spice, okay? Okay, so, okay. Uh, is there two more people, maybe? Okay, I think Pastor Nick likes food. Pastor Nick, why don't you come on up? I think. Uh, anyone else who may like food? All right, Parik, you're up. Come on up. It's my husband. He, he's my cup bearer. <laughs> All right. So here's, here's how I'm going to explain it, okay? So we just read the scripture verse. Now over here, excuse me here. Over here I have a plate, right? And in this plate are, and I've made it COVID friendly, are individual cups and they are of different spices and seasoning all right so pastor nick yes. i want you to choose two of these all right you, you can choose any two you'd like okay okay all right i have to see the fine print okay okay oh spicy pepper medley okay and montreal chicken all right Spicy pepper medley and Montreal chicken. All right, Park, which ones do you want? Salt and turmeric. Salt and turmeric. All right. Okay, Tatiana, which two would you like? Okay, don't take too long. All purpose okay. seasoning and pepper. Okay, all-purpose seasoning and pepper. All right? Like the ground black pepper. All right, Rohan, you got... Not a lot of choices, but he's going to go with the breadcrumbs and the flour. The, the oil? Okay. He probably wants a spicy pepper. I'm sorry I took it. That's all right. All right. That's okay. You hang on to it. All right. So each one of them has some different ingredients. I want you to think of each one of these ingredients as things that have happened in your life. All right? Things that have happened in your life that may not have been pleasant, that may not have been good. Now, I want you, each one of you, to open up each one and take a taste of it. So they're, they're your own, they're clean, they're, 
Nobody's touched that. And I want you to take a taste of it. All right? So just like wet your finger, dip it in, whatever. They're yours to keep. No one else is going to touch that. And I want you to taste it. All right? All right. So, Pastor Nick, how, how, are, how are yours? The, the chicken, the chicken, Montreal chicken's lovely. It's the, it's the kind, the kind of Montreal chicken I use to coat my chicken when I cook it. Okay, so the Montreal chicken seasoning is nice, but now if you were just to eat the Montreal chicken, like a whole plate of seasoning, just seasoning by itself, would it taste nice? Tastes better with chicken. Okay. <laughs> it, it would taste better with chicken. Okay, Park, which one did you try? The salt. The salt, of course. Um, if you were to eat a whole plate of salt, it probably wouldn't taste so nice, right? Tatiana, which one did you try? I tried both. The all seasoning is good like that. Yeah. The pepper, you have to put it on something else. Okay. But even the all seasoning, you can't eat a whole plate of that by itself, right? Rohan? I tried both. Okay. This one really has no taste. Okay. And then this is a taste It doesn't have very much taste, yeah. right? But but you see, my friends, each ingredient serves a purpose, right? But if you were just to use it by itself, it, it would probably leave a bad taste in your mouth, or you couldn't handle a whole plate of it. Are, are you following me so far? We're, we're almost done here. Now, if I was to ask, and I'm not going to do it because of, you know, COVID restrictions, but to ask each one of them to pour each one of their ingredients into this plate and just mix it together, do you, do you think it would taste good? No? Do you think it would taste good if we poured all the ingredients and just mixed it together? No. It, it wouldn't taste good. And even if we took each one of these ingredients, poured it in a plate, mixed it together, and then put chicken in the plate, cooked chicken, and mixed it together, it probably still would taste funny, right? You, you see, in cooking, and you might, you, know, you might know this already, but there are certain ingredients that you need to put in at certain times, or you need to put in before another ingredient to get the taste right. Is that correct? All right, so if you put it in last, so for example, if we were to cook all of this and then, you know, put in a certain ingredient last, it, it probably wouldn't give the right taste. But if we were to put it in at the right time, all right, you can just put your, your cups down here. All right, <clears throat> please take a, Thank you. I'll take those, I'll take those. Uh, okay. okay, you want them? I'll, I'll get the plate, hold on. All right. So you take one of these, you can op just open it up, and I'm going to collect your cups, put your cups back in there, all right, put your cups back in there, okay? So now they have individually wrapped forks, okay? Now with all of these ingredients, you can only handle so much of it in a little dose by itself, right? But you see, if we were to take it and put it together and cook them all together, and each one of these ingredients I used last night to make breaded chicken. And you're gonna try a piece. <laughs> so just take a piece. Okay. All right, Porik, take a piece. With your fork, but. <sighs> Anyways, now, now you see why I get gray hair, right? All right, all right. So, honest opinion, Pastor Nick, did the, that piece of chicken taste better than just the, the Montreal seasoning by itself? Beautiful. It's beautiful. All right. How about others of you? Was it good? It was seasoned well? It was cooked properly? My friend, thank you very much. Give them a round of applause. Thank you. You can have a seat. Thank you. My friends, when I think about the scripture here in Romans chapter 8 that we just read, and God is able to take it all and work it together into something good. God is able to take each one of the things that you have gone through, take a piece of your stuff, 
and he's able to make it into something good. You see, when we trust God and we give it over to God, he is the master chef who is able to take and extract flavor and take the good parts and to take the things that we cannot make sense of on our own. And he's able to make it and work it together and make it into something good for us. God is able to take the relationship that didn't work out. He's able to take the accident that happened. He's able to take the marriage issues or the sickness or disability. He's able to take the issues with your children. He's able to take the problems at work or the fact that you moved to a new city or country. He's able to take you being laid off work or not getting into the program or school that you wanted. He's able to take the mental health issues that you deal with or the fact that your parents got divorced. He's able to take all of those things and work them somehow together into something good like he did for Joseph. Trust God. Trust him. Whatever your stuff may be, know that God is working even when we cannot see it. Even when we don't understand how he's going to put it together, we know that he is a God who is able, and he is able to take each one of our things and put it together. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that as we can look at the overview of Joseph's story and his life, we see, Lord, how he has uh, gone through so much stuff as many here today have. And we thank you, God, that we are able to see how you were able to work each one of those situations together to bring him to a place, Lord, that he never dreamt possible. And we thank you that you are the same God who is able to take all of our stuff and to turn it into something good. And so, Lord, we trust you. We surrender to you. We ask that you would come and that you would fill us, that you would help us to persevere, that you would remind us, Lord, that you are with us, that you would remind us, God, that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And so we look to you, Lord. We lean on Jesus. We lean on you because we know that you are able. And so, Lord, even when we're just tasting a piece of the ingredient, we know that you are using it to make something wonderful in our life. And so, Lord, come and have your way in the lives of each one and make something wonderful out of it for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My friends, as we sing this closing song, maybe today some of you need to come and say, God, there's been a lot of stuff. And maybe, Lord, I've been just tasting some of that salt. I've been tasting some of those breadcrumbs. And it doesn't taste very good. But I'm giving it to you, Lord, and I'm trusting that you're going to make something wonderful out of it. Because beauty can come from ashes when they're in the right hands, when they're in the hands of God. So you feel free to come and pray if you'd like. Please stand.